0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from and with your spirit. the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory, Glory to the Lord. Lord. <laughs> John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said to them, "'What are you looking for?' They said to him, "'Rabbi,' which which translated means teacher, "'where are you staying?' He said to them, "'Come and you will see.'" So they went and saw where Jesus was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, "'We have found the Messiah.'" Which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Kephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord Okay, it's exactly the right Gospel passage uh, we have here. Uh, to begin, in earnest, our celebration of ordinary time. Yeah, ordinary time is that, uh, that strange season that hangs out in the gaps between the major uh, feasts and feasts of the liturgical year. Uh, it's significant, we think, um, you know, th- as we read our way through the gospel in ordinary time, one of the themes that emerges right in front of our eyes is that of discipleship. You might think, well, uh, why you know why is that the case? Somewhat, somewhat coincidental. Somewhat you know what what exactly? Why how is this, Why is it always this theme that's emerging? It's this theme that's always emerging because when you when you get out of the, the themes of the seasons of fasting and feasting, it's all discipleship. Even even the, even the even the, uh, the feasts and the fasts are all about discipleship. Yeah. So what's happening is as we get into this time that kind of lives in between. The feast in the face of the liturgical year, that central theme comes to the surface and occupies a lot of our imagination, our thought, our energy. The first question I think that has to be asked when you, when you address this particular passage is uh, somewhat superficial, but, but we see it crop up at least three times here Rabbi, rabbi, which translated means teacher. Messiah, which is translated Christ. Kephas, which is translated Peter. What do, we have, what do we have here but first-hand testimony to the story as it's unfolding in time? This is, this is uh, the, um, in the first chapter of, of the Gospel of John, and we're well within our rights to, to presume that it is John himself who is recounting this story. The the life and times of Jesus of Nazareth, right? Okay, so we've we've got that. We see it happening here. And just as probably, you know, the the time that we met our beloved, we can recount in uh, perhaps excruciating detail. (laughs) So too John, having met Jesus, can give you every little piece of the scene, right? Down to the details. And, so, and he's not willing to, to let go even of, even of the words that were spoken, either by the would-be disciples or by Jesus himself. So we have the first word is always the, uh, the Hebrew or the Aramaic word. Then you have the, the translation of that word into the Greek, which is the language in which the, the gospel is written. We have the, the Hebrew slash Aramaic word, and then we have like the anglicized Greek word. Right, so, like Christ is really from the Greek Christos, which means anointed one, which is, of course, what Messiah, Meshiach means, yes, that Jesus is the anointed one. And so, of course, they're going to go out following him because John's whole life has already been to point towards the one who is to come when he says, this is the Lamb of God, and that's a tightly packed, a dense theological proclamation. They know, in the least, that they ought to go and follow him. See where he lives and and the rest be uh, be mentored by him as it were be brought into the life that he wants for them. Okay, so we have the beginning of the we have the beginning of the Gospel of John here. I think it's significant for us, uh, and certainly we'll we'll pick up Mark in year B here. But we'll be working our way through the Gospel. This is what happens in ordinary time. It's the, the Gospel of Mark. It's it's significant for us to get the right frame on the whole thing. It's going to allow us to interpret each part in its in its proper place. Okay, so here, what is, the, what is the narrative of the Gospel of John? Just as it is the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, how God became king. You're going to have to trust me on it, perhaps. <laughs> you know, this, is, this is the story that the Scriptures, the Gospels, each of the Gospel authors in their turn, is trying to tell. How God became king in and, I can say, in and as Jesus of Nazareth. Now, once you have that as your narrative whole, you have to look at every part, say, with the idea that this part also advances that narrative. And when we look at this part, the part that we have in front of us today, as advancing the narrative of how God became king, we probably should look at it with some amount of perplexity. It's like, really, is is this the beginning of the story of how God becomes king? Because if I'm gonna write a story of how God becomes king, I'm going to have him parachuting in from the heights right this great hero right and he's he's powerful almighty in all the ways that the world can readily identify and he's going to start shooting everything into place right okay these you go over there you go over there you are all subjects of my rule bow down before me you go over there you go over there you do this you do that right okay don't think like how corrupt my imagination is you know like this is this is uh, significant Hopefully, I'm speaking for you. Maybe, uh, maybe not. Hopefully, but this is probably where we are. Is like if we're going to drop the story of how God becomes king, how is he gonna? How is he going to ascend the throne? And how is he gonna come into power? Well, he's just going He is powerful. He just comes on the scene and starts exercising it. That is not exactly what we have in the gospel passage, is it? You know, you have this obscure character pointing to another obscure character, right? John pointing to to Jesus, who's. Just happens to be walking by. There's the Lamb of God. Okay, we're going to go follow him. We, we ask these questions of him. They come and stay with him. This is, this is the beginning of the story of how God becomes king. Okay? We'll get, we'll get back to that in, in just a second. But, but what, it's important to say what they're anticipating in the Messiah. We see that language there. Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one, the anointed one of God. What is he anointed to do? He's anointed to bring renewal to Israel And and so then, restoration to the entire world. Let's uh, bring it up a couple thousand years. We are the new Israel. Jesus is at our head, bringing renewal to his people so that we will bring restoration to the entire world, to all of creation. And when I say all of creation, I don't mean we're all going to be environmentalists. Okay? As as though that were the center of it, right? We're made to be tree huggers and rest. You can hug trees. It's fine. In fact, you know, if you, yeah, I know this is strange, okay, but you, you sing to plants, they grow, right? You, you talk to plants. Anyway, okay, won't get too far afield. You, you are powerful in the extreme. You can, you can help catalyze the growth of plants. Okay, so anyway, it's not, it's not primarily about that, like becoming green people, yeah? Although I think being stewards of God's creation and understanding our role properly within God's creation would allow us to bring flourishing to his creation instead of like simple domination, right? So instead of we will make the world do this for us and do this for us and do this for us, which all is having disastrous consequences, we'll be say more effective stewards by saying, okay, well, this is what it was naturally meant to do and we're going to continue to catalyze that particular kind of growth and do it with wisdom and probably probably gentleness and, and the rest, okay but I'm not talking about that, I'm not talking about plants, I'm talking about really all human activity, every human endeavor is where that restoration is meant to happen. So we're renewed by the love of God to be people who love God in everything we think and say and do. Like every, every one of our human activities and endeavors ought to be inspired by and animated and sustained by love. That's the renewal that Jesus is affecting in us. If we live that way, we bring restoration to creation. We bring restoration to relationships, to human relationships. I think we got to probably have to start small, but, the, but the, the restoration of the entire world happens in wake of the renewal of God's people. And that's what they were, say, perhaps not anticipating the way that it unfolds, but that's what they want. The, the people that are, that are ready for the coming of the Messiah Are waiting for the king's rule. They're they're waiting for the rule of God. And that's what it means. For every human initiative, endeavor, activity to be grounded in and inspired by, animated by love. God's own life of love. Okay. So that is the what of the thing. The kingdom of God, the coming of the kingdom of God. Jesus, God as King. Okay, that's the what of the thing. How does he do it? Well, we see it in the gospel. He calls disciples. And these, these people um, uh, mentor under him, right? They're, they are his uh, apprentices. So they apprentice, on, they apprentice under him. They have, to come and, they have to come and see. They have to follow him closely. I say there's also a mimetic reality here as well, right? There's something of Jesus rubbing off on us when we simply put ourselves in his presence. The, the disciples need to go through this kind of um, holy instruction, the very beginning of their their career together, as, as the renewed people of God, they have, they have to go into this intense time of preparation. And they do that at the call of, of Christ. I want to look forward and say, okay, at the end of the gospel, I, I just choose the end of, the, uh, of Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28, the commissioning of the disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've taught you. Okay, so This is the way that the kingdom of God comes to birth on earth as it is in heaven. So the the way that Christ's kingship comes to bear is by the proclamation made by the apostles. Not just the proclamation. Okay, so baptism, baptism in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What has happened between these first scenes of discipleship and then the last where they're being sent? They have been plunged into the life of God this is what baptism is. So they've been plunged into the life of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then they are to go out and plunge all peoples into the life of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So just as we as disciples are animated by, by love, we've had God's own Spirit breathed into us to sustain us, to strengthen us, to heal us, to animate, again, every human endeavor and activity, so now we go out to plunge others into the life of God. That's our commissioning. And the teaching to observe all that I've commanded you is not teaching actually, say, um, how do you say, it? propositional truths. It's a kind of instruction that forefronts discipleship and obedience. So we're plunging into the life of God, we're obedient to the Spirit. We're obedient to the life of God at work in us and working through us. So we don't live our own lives. We live by the inspiration of God. And that's what Jesus sends his disciples to do. That's what he is sending us to do, to have his rule be brought to life to every corner of creation. Again, he does it differently than we would do it. You know, so we will look out in the world and say, you know what, God? What are you doing? You know, like we look down our noses at God. That's how great we are, right? It's like, God, yeah, God, what are you doing? This is a, this is pretty bad, you know. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing? Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror, right? Because that is the that is God's answer to the question. And I look, I can look at, it, I can look out and say, well, you guys look pretty bewildered at the fact that this is God's answer to creation, to, to the problems that that are in creation, right? Me? I'm the answer? I mean, this is it. This is it. The renewal of my life, the restoration of creation. The renewal of my life, the restoration of the world, depends on it. And we've been, we've been summoned. Okay, so we, we might, and to touch on the gospel again, yeah, is this. We think that we are out in search of Jesus, all the while he's out in search of us. So I'll add scandal to scandal by saying it's not just that, you know, you were so brilliant to, to find Jesus, to identify him as the, as the Messiah and follow him, apprentice under him, and so on and so forth. It's that actually he went out to find you. And now you can look around and say, well, couldn't you have done that? <laughs> couldn't you have done better than that? You know, like, could have found someone else. No, no, this is the point, right? He wants, he wants you. He wants you. Okay. How? How? How do we do this? How do we do this? So, getting a start in ordinary time, I wanna take us back to basics. You know, I want us to pray acts. Okay, adoration, contrition, thanksgiving, and supplication. But the first thing I'd have to say is, when I say we have to pray, we have to because we have to pray in order to be plunged anew into the life of God. And this is the primary way that God is going to breathe his spirit into us. We have to make time. And enough already, right, with the, uh, we know this, I'm speaking to myself, I speak to you as well, enough already with all the excuses. You're like, I don't know how to pray, I don't pray that well, I'm not that good, I don't know why he called me, I don't know what's, you know, what is the point and all the rest. No, we learn to pray by praying. So we have to take the time, we just have to take the time. And in fact, what we find when we take the time to pray is that God is making it happen. He's the one who's inspiring us. He's the one who's making us aware of what we need to do. He's the one who's, who's causing us even to, give, to give over, turn over our hearts and our lives to Him. Yeah, it's God's work, and we just have to hold everything else off in order to do it. We have to prioritize Him and His purposes, and it means, to begin with, that we make time for prayer. Again, we learn to pray by praying. I was thinking before, like, I don't know if this happens anymore. Do kids still ride bikes? It's, like, too dangerous, right? So <laughs> it's, like, no one, like, allowing that kid to ride a bike anymore. But you ride a bike, you know, it's like the, you put the kid on the... You got to put the kid on the bike, you know? And, the, and dad's going to run along and do this, ah, should I catch him, should I put you know, like, kind of thing. I'm going to run along, push him. He's got to get going, right? Prayer. You learn to, like, by riding a bike. Yeah, this is not, like, unique to prayer. You learn to love by loving, now, we can read tons of books on, on love, and they, they move it, they move us like a little inch at a time, perhaps. But you learn to love by loving. Yeah, so we have to do it. Okay, we have to do it. Again, acts. Let me give you the, the, some of the more basic or the, say, foundational, say, stones of acts. I'm going to work through it, and this is like, a, to some extent, a reliving of, of my prayer time this morning. So if it's scattered, good. Because, look, my prayer is like that as well. Do you know? It's interesting, I have to say, and I ha- m- m- my dad will give me a little leeway here, okay? We, he and I t- recently took the pilgrimage to Anfield, yeah? We, to see Liverpool play. I, I actually asked him at one point, right? I said, oh, what was the best part of our trip? He said, he said, Anfield. You know? A, look, this is, not, this is nothing new to you, do you know? I know that we used to call the old Yankee Stadium the cathedral, yeah? So this is like the stuff of pilgrimage, anyway. so. So I said, he, he, and he said, Anfield, you know, he said the only trouble was he was stuck next to a lunatic the whole time, you know, it's like, it's like, yeah, okay, that was me. So great, you know, like, I fared a little better, you know, I fared a little better. But the thing with it was like, we, you know, we're all going to cheer the team on, right? I mean, these, these are like, you know, these are these people's gods. They're not my gods, yeah, but the team is like the god, yeah? And you go to pay homage, you cheer them on. You're with them through thick and thin. You, you encourage them. And you know, if you're, if you're lucky, you, your God blesses you with like a victory, right? You're down if he doesn't. But, this, but you go, you pour, and you're there to pour yourselves out. Well, you know, as we're going to the stadium, you might look around and say, yikes, who is that guy? <laughs> you know, like, what business does that guy have coming in here? You know, what, what is, nobody cares. Nobody cares, right? It's very much come as you are. And I would say it's embarrassing that the church can be less inclusive than that. It's incredibly embarrassing because we're shoulder to shoulder together, not simply to be fans of the things that God is doing, but to be his followers, to do the things that God is doing. Do we, do we care about how this one or that one is presenting? And even myself, even myself. Yeah, it's, it's a come as you are, even for us, even for me. So I don't know how I'm feeling this particular day, right? I'm actually not doing that that well physically, believe it or not, right? And we, and we all have our struggles and, and the rest and, and everything. We're coming and we're gonna give everything we've got. Everything we have, we're gonna give. I mean, come on guys, right? If, you, if we can do it for sports, we can do it for God. If we're doing it for these counterfeit gods, we can do it for the true and living God. We can pour out our hearts in praise of Him. And we can scream at the top of our lungs, right? I mean, you're, you're probably getting a sense of, yeah, He is a lunatic, actually, <laughs> and it applies to every walk of life, every, every little thing that He's caught up in. That's right. But let's go, right? Let's go together. Let's do it together. Right? We, anyway, okay, so... We're going to add some structure to the thing, acts. I want, again, the foundation stones of the thing. As, as we've already got the juice, we've already got the gas in the tank. We're already going to pour ourselves out, okay? Now, God is Father. We adore God for who he is in himself. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, an eternal exchange of glorifying love, okay? God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is an eternal exchange of glorifying love, I praise God, right? So this is my prayer. I'm praying to him. I'm praise, I praise you, Lord. You are an eternal exchange of glorifying love. Then I start to think, where does, so this, that's Acts. That's A, adoration. Then I move very quickly into C. I move after that into C, contrition, because I see as I'm praising the God who is an eternal exchange of glorifying love, where my life does not reflect that reality. Now, I'm not going to get caught up in self-pity there. Uh, woe is me. Woe is me. My life doesn't reflect the reality. Like, I'm, I'm not radically generous in every aspect. No, I'm not, it's not it. I'm not radically generous in every aspect of my life. God, you called me. See it through. See it through. I want my life to be. In Christ, my life is an eternal exchange of glorifying love. Right. My, my, my whole being magnifies the Lord. I give glory to him with everything I've got. And I need you, Jesus, to breathe your life of love into me so that I can. Yeah, this is, this is contrition, right? I'm a bit bent here. Straighten me out, Lord. Give me what I need. Okay. So, adoration, contrition, thanksgiving. So we're going to take our gaze, say, in, in a certain way, we're going to take our gaze off of, off of God. We've adored him. We've repented we want everything in our life to be moving in that direction. We're now looking out in thanksgiving at our corner of creation. Yeah, the, the worlds that God has entrusted to me, especially my relationships, right? Especially my relationships. And all my human activities and endeavors, he is entrusted to me. And if, if, if it be the case, I have to, by the force of will, thank God for it. This is a particularly Christian worldview. We're looking out at what God has entrusted to our care. The first movement is that we thank him for it. And guess what? Your life might be tough. Okay, give thanks. In all things, give thanks. Why? Because we have the spirit of Jesus at work in us and working through us. The spirit of Jesus who went to his death thanking God, that spirit is alive and at work in us. And so every breath we breathe can be thanksgiving. It gets to be thanksgiving. Inasmuch as we have life in Christ, we give God thanks for what he's entrusted to our care. But as we do, as we look out, of course, we recognize that we're not exactly up to the task. We're not going to fold, and we're not going to give in to resentment that God gave us this part of creation and not some other, but we're going to ask him for what we need in order to sustain us in the effort. And guess what? he's going to give it to us. He's called us, and he equips us to bring his love to life wherever it is we are. So this is, the, this is the challenge, my friends. This is nothing short of the restoration of the entire world depends on it. We've each been called. Jesus has come out to us directly from him to participate in his own life of love, to learn directly from him and now to have his spirit breathed into our lives, that we might be animated and sustained in every activity and endeavor by his own life of love, and so bring glory to the name of God and bring his kingdom to birth on earth as it is in heaven.